This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. International Day of Persons with Disabilities will be marked this weekend. We talked about a couple events with Andrika Delanerol in the first hour of the show, and you'll get plenty of perspective over the next week from many of our columnists. So let's get it started with journalist John Lepke. Hey, good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Dave. I'm good. Happy to be first. Yeah, you get the first crack at this one. So you're the first person who gets asked, what are your general thoughts on the day of persons with disabilities? I think in a lot of ways, it's a means to an end. I I think in a lot of ways, like these these advocacy days are really important, but they can't be the the sort of the one and only. They they can't we can't wrap all of our hopes into one day, um, and and I think sometimes we fall into that trap a little bit as a community. Yes, yeah, speaking of traps, I've got a bit of a journalism question for you here because I know I can be susceptible to this one. Does it feel like sometimes we get? trapped in an obligation to report on an announcement that gets shared by either a government or an organization, because so oftentimes we're saying, gosh, we want people in the mainstream to talk about disability. And when they do, we almost feel the sense of gratitude that they do, but maybe we're just doing public relations work for them. What do you make? <laughs> uh, like, Is there any sense to that line of thought that I have? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it's natural to want to report on the community, and I, I think it's natural to to want to give those things that time. Um, I, I think where we struggle is where it can fall into sort of the wider conversations about disability and sort of creating nuance within those stories can be can be somewhat difficult if we don't link it back to, to wider movements. Um, but certainly, you know, it, I think it's a pressure that a lot of disabled journalists feel, especially, you know, I'm a freelancer, but especially for those who are who are sort of in-house um, and and tasked with, uh, oh, you're you're good at this. So here's all the disability reporting <laughs> stories, which we know can happen sometimes. Uh, speaking of some of those announcements that require a little bit more scratching than just the surface announcement, let's talk about some news out of your neck of the woods in Saskatchewan. The government has put forward the Accessibility Saskatchewan Act. In broad strokes, what's the aim of the legislation? So the aim of the legislation, according to the government, this is not me doing PR for the SAS party, I promise, <laughs> is um, is to create uh, a, a new office. We already had an office of disability issues, but now we need an accessibility office, apparently, um, and uh, uh, an act that uh, uh, creates, the act creates a, a committee um, that then can provide recommendations. Those recommendations go into into regulations and requirements. And at first it's going to be just um, administered to the government. We'll see how that goes. It has no deadlines. It talks about fines and um, uh, I'm very much in the wait and see. I mean, obviously it hasn't had its its final reading, I don't believe, but um, really in the wait and see with how, how that goes and, and what enforcement actually looks like. Um, they, they say in the, in the information related to the act, you know, the, the quick primer, um, that it is, is trying to 
model or, or complement uh, the Accessible Canada Act in its in its timelines. Um, and it does do some significant things, I, I believe, um, though this is in my community, with things like uh, acknowledging uh, various sign languages uh, as language for for a deaf community. Um, I think that's, that's valuable, just like it was valuable within the Accessible Canada Act. But um, it still has the uh, it still has the issues that we see with some of the wider federal legislation. Let's talk a little bit about about that because you just did a really nice job of of at least creating the framework for the conversation. Because now that we have some facts at our fingertips, we can offer a little bit of analysis. So, what are some sure. of your thoughts here about maybe the strengths and the weaknesses of what was presented last week? Yeah, absolutely. I I think one of the things that that I'm keeping an eye on, um, and I'm sure community will be as well, but I, I don't want to speak for everybody, obviously, is um, uh, the act, the, this committee that's going to be created is 50% uh, has to be of these people who are who are advising have to be disabled or uh, part of organizations uh, that support people with disabilities. And and that's always a bit of a, um, a bit of a challenge because we know that uh, oftentimes those seats go to people well-meaning people, of course, but people who, who don't necessarily have the lived experience of disability in the same way. Um, we have uh, some of the challenges around timeline. It says in the little primer, uh, and if you go further into the act, that uh, they've spoken with other governments, and other governments have found that timelines don't work. Um, <laughs> and my question would be, is it that timelines don't work or is it that governments can't meet timelines? I mean, in, in your neck of the woods, right there, we're still trying to meet um, the AOADA. Uh, I may have just yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I get, I, I, messed with that I, I mess it acronym. up all the time. I mess it up all the time too, John. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they've been working on this thing for 20, 20 years to get to a 2025 deadline and they're not going to make it. No, and, and so if we don't, if we can't even make a 25-year timeline, how are we going to create this nebulous timeline? Um, the Act says that it, it is going to first administer to government so that government can build momentum. Um, now, the pessimist in me would argue that government aren't actually particularly good at building momentum when it comes to disability um, things in this province, uh, partially by the nature of, of um, the enforced poverty that can often come with programs like Saskatchewan Assured Income for Disability set, um, and, and partially because like we already have an office for disability issues, we're already struggling with the problems that the Human Rights Code and uh, you know the speed or lack thereof of enforcement of decisions and things like that bring with it. Um, so is it a step forward? Like you said earlier, do we always have to feel tied to this idea that we're having movement forward? Um, I would argue it is a step forward, um, but that we're, we're facing that, that enforcement um, issue. I should say that, that this legislation and, and the track towards it um, is continuing on some, there's our word of the day today, Dave, momentum. Um, <laughs> Um, from the Saskatchewan Disability Strategy, which was, uh, you know, a big public consultation and public consultation that has followed. So this isn't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, some SAS party officials huddled in a corner in the legislature um, coming up with uh, coming up with some things by magic. But uh, but it remains to be seen what is actually 
going to be applicable and usable. John, if you'll allow me, as, as you point out there, this is legislation that came from consultation that's going to lead to further committees in consultation, which seems a little bit like a cycle to me. The, <laughs> and, and, and I understand that consultation is important, right? I, I, I am a firm believer in the nothing for us without us, for sure, for sure, for sure. That That's an underpinning. I, I, I get that. But I'm starting to get a little bit leery at the way that every province and every government is saying, we are forming a committee and we are going <laughs> to consult, when the fact is there are already best practices in play. There are people who devote their careers to this. And in fact, we we platform some of them on the show. People like Thea Curdy at Designable Environments, people like Denis Boudreau at Inclusive Communication, people like Kelly Braun Johnson at, uh, at Completely Inclusive, even folks from like the Rick Hansen Foundation. I know at times they're a little bit controversial amongst some folks in universal design, but the fact is there are so many people who are already building best practices that maybe we shouldn't be caught up. And now here's where people are going to accuse me of ableism in the paralysis <laughs> by analysis uh, trap that they'll mm. fall into. I, I think one of the things that, that I think we lose uh, is that um, absolutely there are, there are already best practices. What I, what, what I think from a community perspective is important to think about is you know, the role of that consultation is to figure out what it means in a, to use my province, Saskatchewan context. Mm. The, the framework is important, but we can't prescribe what, you know, what Toronto's accessibility or Vancouver's accessibility or even Edmonton's accessibility is to Saskatchewan. Um, and, and, but we don't, that's not how these things are framed, right? You're exactly right. These things are framed as we must we must reinvent the entire wheel so that we can say we came up with it. And you go, hang on. Independent living, we're still battling against some of the basic tenets of the independent living movement that the independent living movement was trying to dispel in the 60s and 70s. So why do we need to recreate the entire wheel just to say we did? Um, I, I don't quite, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't quite get where that goes. And um, it must be said, I think that bureaucrats love bureaucrats. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> it's not just true of government. Bureaucrats love bureaucrats. And so um, how this gets implemented, and I, I must say, I'm probably coming across as heavily negative. I certainly believe and have witnessed in, in my work, in my life, that there are people, and uh, make up the majority of people, um, whether elected or not, within government and, and adjacent organizations. Um, that truly believe in the mission of inclusion and accessibility. The challenge, as we see here with this act, is is implementation. And mm -hmm. how does this filter down? And again, we bump into the same old thing of what is the major problem within Canadian disability legislation is that it rarely gets out of the public sphere and it rarely asks businesses to account. And when it doesn't ask businesses or you know baseline things that disabled people intersect with every day, um, it doesn't move the baseline of accessibility as far as I, I think our communities would want it to. Yeah, the amount of places I couldn't have gotten into in Montreal last week if I couldn't walk up and down stairs is staggering. Yes, the city's over 300 years old. No, it's not acceptable that you need stairs to get into everywhere. Here's a yes, big the three the three accessible areas of the metro. Yeah, the three, yeah exactly. We, we have three elevators now in our 40-something metro stations. Look how accessible we are. Uh, okay, we, John, we're, we're running out of time here, but I do want to yeah. ask you this big question. I'm making you the premier. 
So you're now Premier Lepke. Uh, what is uh, something you'd make an underpinning of your accessibility standard or legislation? Sure. I think, I think everything related to accessibility in this province roots back to poverty. And I think when we look at um, the assured income for disability, you know, we there are two underpinnings. There are the costs for people to be able to access and be able to attend and go out into community. Because if people can't go out into community, then you hear the same old excuse, well, we don't have disabled patrons. And then the other underpinning is bringing that legislation and that requirement into um, those the businesses, um, I argue, uh, despite the protestations of many governments, that timelines are actually useful if we hold ourselves to account for them. And from there, uh, the underpinning would be to expand and and really bring the baseline of accessibility up rather than focusing on these sort of romantic ideals of what a perfectly accessible society is. We're so far away from that that we actually need to look at the building blocks. Mm. John? You did a great job as premier, but I'm sending you back to being a journalist. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks so much. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.